ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app and Sirius XM Channel 80. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. I'm Amber Wilson. He is Chris Canty. We are hanging out with you until 7 o'clock Eastern. We have been doing a lot of Los Angeles Lakers talk. And if you want to join the conversation on the Canty call in line, tell us who you blame for the Lakers season. Go ahead and give us a call. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. You can also tweet to us at Chris Canty 99 at Amber W790. So big news coming out of the world of basketball. Frank Vogel was fired. We will get to that in a moment. Also big news coming out of the world of ESPN radio. Huge breaking news here for ESPN radio afternoons. Chris Canty. Do you have something to announce to the nation? I do. So two weeks from today on April 25th, I will be kicking off the Canty and Carlin show from 3 to 7 on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus with my good buddy Chris Carlin. We had an opportunity to work together at 98.7 FM in New York, and currently he's in that role as a solo show host from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern. And so he's going to be partnering with me in this time slot in two weeks, so I'm fired up about it. When you said there was huge news coming out of ESPN Radio, I wasn't sure if that was a big joke, Amber, because I think pound for pound we have the biggest show <laughs> in all of ESPN Radio Sports Network. But we also have big opinions, and we're going to have a lot of fun on the show, a lot of laughs. Um, again, we, we, we take sports seriously, but we don't take ourselves serious, so it's going to be a fun listen, and we encourage everybody to tune in. We're all looking forward to it. There could have been a way. There could have been many ways that this could have gone in terms of naming the show. So you are going <laughs> with Canty and Carlin. It could have been Chris and Chris. Uh, the heart harkens back to a different time in ESPN Radio with Mike and Mike. It could have been uh, what C squared twice or or, or C, C to the fourth. C four. Yep. C four. Uh, it could have been. So there's a lot of stuff that they could have done with y'all's names. It will be Canty and Carlin. Amber, for like, the love of God, no CNC Music Factory. CNC Music up. Factory. Yeah, we got it. We got it. We no, please no references with that. None, Kids have no like idea that. what we're talking about they with that reference. They don't, and that's for a good reason. <laughs> Anybody <laughs> under the age of thirty-five, anything. in fact, has no idea what we're talking about with that reference. So, Canty and Carlin will start on Monday, April twenty-fifth. Uh, like Canty said, Chris Carlin, there a big New York guy. I worked with Carl. Carlin and I go back like fifteen years together because we worked at SNY Network. Together, we used to both do TV shows on SNY Network. So huge New York guy. And now uh, the the New Yorkers continue to advance. They're taking over the world, these New Yorkers. So Canty and Carlin will be based out in New York. There you go. A New York show taking over the world. Let so that'll tell start. You who's not taking over the world? My Los Angeles Lakers. That is true. That, that will start April 25th. Tournament. The Los Angeles Lakers will not be part of that because they're not part of anything um, on April 25th because their season is over. They have parted ways with their head coach in Frank Vogel. Feels like a bit of a scapegoat to me coming off of this Lakers season, but the Lakers parting ways with Frank Vogel is breaking moves. Breaking Moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to linkedin.com sports. 
So we knew this was going to happen. We knew Frank Vogel was going to be at least the first fall guy to go down for what happened with this Lakers season. LeBron James, he had his exit interview. Now he gets to go sip the vino, kick up his uh, feet on a mega yacht somewhere and take the entire summer off because his team is not going to be involved in the postseason, not even in the play-in game. A rare situation there for LeBron James. He said that it's been frustrating this season how well he has played and that it hasn't amounted to the winning. You know, winning is is everything to me. And uh, the the fact that I was playing the way I was playing and it wasn't resulting in wins just... Um, you know, wasn't enough, um, you know, so, you know, the frustration level was definitely at a, at a high at times and because you're just trying to figure out how can you be better and figure out how the team can be better. And, you know, and then, you know, you, you hit with, you know, COVID protocols and, you know, and guys are in and out and, you know, then you hit with injuries. Never get a full sample size of what the team can possibly be because you, I mean, I was watching the game last night and I think, Last night was our 40th starting lineup. So it's frustrating to him, Chris, that he's been playing so well, but they haven't been getting the dubs off of his, off of his play. And frankly, he was playing so well this season. We know that man was averaging 30 points per night when he was out there. The problem with LeBron at this point in his career is he's not going to be out there every night. Sure, he can give you 50 games. He can't give you 82 games. He's 37 years old. He can't shoulder all of that. So when LeBron chooses to be out there, he's incredible, but he's not going to be able to be out there every single game. He's got to have somebody who can step in in his place and step up. That was supposed to be Anthony Davis, but that man just is not durable enough. No, and Amber, you were talking about LeBron James, the player, taking the entire summer off. Well, LeBron James, the executive, the GM, has got to start getting busy because he's got to find a way to dramatically reshape this roster, and he doesn't have a lot of resources in the way of cap space or draft picks in order to do so. The earliest the Lakers could potentially control their own first-round pick would be 2025. I think as of right now, the only pick that they can trade in the first round is 2027. So we'll have to wait and see how things shake out in the playoffs. Also, Amber, you're talking about a team that's payroll is going to be $149 million, and you're talking about having seven players under contract. I mean, they're going to be $27 million over the projected salary cap for next season, and you only got seven guys under contract. Like, There are some major issues with this team, and I don't know that the guys that they have under contract right now are going to be good enough, even if they are healthy, to be able to compete for a championship in the weaker of the two conferences, which is the Western Conference. I I still, you know, with a healthy Anthony Davis, a healthy LeBron James, along with Russell Westbrook, I don't see this team as being on par with the Memphis Grizzlies, the Phoenix Suns, the Golden State Warriors. I mean, I don't even know that I would put them there with the Dallas Mavericks and a healthy Luka Doncic. That's how far gone the Los Angeles Lakers are. And and I'm not quite sure that even with LeBron James playing 65 games next season and Anthony Davis playing 60 games next year, you're going to talk about a team that can be a true title contender. I'm just not ready to say that, and it hurts me to say that because I'm a Lakers fan and I'm invested in this team's success. It's just, it looks so bad. They were terrible defensively. And when you think about two years ago when they won that championship in the bubble, defense was their calling card. So I don't know how they get back to some semblance of that. I just don't see that in the short term. LeBron was asked about that combination of him, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook during his exit interview. Here's LeBron. 
I think uh, the areas where I saw that we could complement one another um, is Russ being, you know, the push guard that he is, being able to create tempo, me being the wing threat, getting on a run, and AD being a lob threat. I thought um, that we could be very successful in that. And also with our, our length um, and, and defensive prowess too, we could be really good. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, the, the reason why we were not very good together because we weren't on the damn floor together. Okay, but also <laughs> you weren't on the floor together because you're 37. You're not going to be able to be out there for every single game. It's phenomenal and Teflon as LeBron has been and as phenomenal as his production still is. I mean, it is unrealistic to expect that man to even want to play. I think even frankly more than 60 games the way that these guys work right now in the NBA, but certainly more than 70 seems like a pipe dream to me just based on how these guys protect their bodies. And then with Anthony Davis, he's always had these durability problems. And with Russell Westbrook, he's gotten probably too much of the blame, Chris Canty, but his game is not aged well. I doubt that it's going to look any better next season, even though he did seem to be able to get into a little bit of a rhythm here at the end of the season. No, you're right, Amber, but if you think about it and you're talking about all three of them being on the court at the same time, a big part of why LeBron pushed to bring Russell Westbrook is because he realized that he wasn't going to be able to be on the court for all 82 games. In the last four seasons, LeBron James has missed 84 games. In comparison to the first 15 years he was in the NBA, he missed a grand total of 71 games. So you knew that you weren't going to be on the court all the time, but still – Two of the big three being healthy should be good enough to compete on most nights, especially against Western Conference teams. In Amber this year, the Lakers had two of their big three in 53 games this season. Do you want to know what their record was in said games? Go on. Their record was 20 and 33. Oof. 20 and 33. So 13 games under 500. Think about it. If if you just change that to being 500, you're talking about the Lakers potentially being in the play-in games. So I, I just that's the part of it that's hard to stomach when LeBron comes up with these reasons as to why their season got derailed. And the reality is, when all three of them were on the court in those 21 games, they were only one game over 500. They were 11 and 10. So it's not like it was dramatically better. So I, I again, when LeBron comes up with these reasons why they didn't have success, it just feels like a lack of accountability and him not wanting to admit that the pieces weren't going to fit together the way that they envisioned. Amber, I'll say this, LeBron, when has he ever truly been a wing in the NBA? LeBron James has always been a player that's had the ball in his hands and orchestrated the offense. That's why he's got to be surrounded by shooters. LeBron James is going to have the ball in his hands more often than not. To think that he was going to be a wing and Anthony Davis was going to be the big and Russell Westbrook was going to be the primary ball handler, that was unrealistic from the jump. I do that think LeBron wants that way. I do think LeBron wants things to transition that way, though, at this point in his career. But to your point, it didn't look good even when those three were on the court together, or it certainly didn't look spectacular. I guess LeBron would maybe counter that argument by saying, hey, it didn't happen often enough for us to ever build sort of the chemistry or the consistency. But with two of the three of them out there, that sample size that you gave, I mean, that was a pretty large sample size. And 
I don't know if I am going to try to poke holes in anything you said in terms of your concerns with them, even if they were fully healthy. I mean, everybody else around the league seems to be getting better and all these young teams are on the rise and the Lakers just seem to be getting older. Coming up next, who should be the favorite to win an NBA championship as we approach the playoffs? We'll ask our next guest. You're listening to ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. ESPN Radio. The Lakers are a mess, but does firing the coach fix anything? This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and plenty more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. So for Lakers talk and all things NBA, we turn to the Canty Collin line where we find Matt Barnes, ESPN NBA analyst. And Matt, obviously the Lakers fired Frank Vogel. We all kind of knew that was going to come off of this season that has been so disappointing for this Los Angeles Lakers team. But is Vogel the fall guy? I mean, who's really to blame for what happened here with the Lakers this season? I think Frank is is the scapegoat. It's an easy finger to point. Um, I think he's a casualty of war, unfortunately. Um, But to answer your question, I don't think changing a coach is going to change this roster. Uh, You know, at the end of the day, this is a poorly constructed roster with the the oldest team in the league. And this team was going to be heavily – the team's success was heavily depend on – Anthony Davis's availability and him to be able to play at a, not an all-star level, but an MVP level. Uh, you know what LeBron is going to give you. He's been giving it to us for the last 19 years. Uh, although Russ struggled, you look at Russ, he still averaged 18, 9, and 9. Um, I think Anthony uh, Davis's inability to stay healthy, and I'm not blaming, I'm not calling him injury prone because the injuries he sustained, I think we all saw what it took anyone down for a long amount of time. But uh, the, they needed him to have a big year in order for this team to reach the goals they that they all started thought they were going to uh, reach at the beginning of the season. So, Matt, Anthony Davis has said after the game yesterday that he still believes in the tandem of him and LeBron James being able to compete for a championship. Do you see it that same way? Do you think that Anthony Davis will be able to stay healthy for enough games to take advantage of having LeBron James in the twilight of his career and trying to get back to an NBA Finals? I want to say yes. I do, because you know that LeBron, no matter he's going into year 20, he's still going to come out there and do what he does. It's just the unknown of if Anthony Davis can ever stay healthy. He's been injury prone his entire career. And, again, that's just that, a lot of it's bad luck. I don't, know, uh, I don't know what the rest of it is, but can Anthony Davis be healthy? And, and we won't know that. No one can give you a definitive answer until we actually see it happen. If Anthony Davis can be healthy, because I have a feeling they're going to have to run it back with their big three, unless there's a way to, you know, I don't know if they're trying to part ways with Russ or whatever that situation may be, but all, all, all things said, they may have to run it back with this team. And, it's, again, it's going to depend on Anthony Davis's availability and, and the level he plays at. And then I think LeBron sacrificing a little bit for Russell Westbrook to try to get, you know, to get the most out of Russell Westbrook. Talking with ESPN NBA analyst and NBA champion Matt Barnes on ESPN Radio. And, Matt, we've been hearing the rumors that the Lakers will potentially try to explore opportunities to move on from Russell Westbrook and his $47 million salary that he's due next year. My question to you is, would you potentially entertain conversations to move on from Anthony Davis as well in an effort to reshape this roster? I would listen to him. 
I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't openly come out and say I'm going to try to trade Anthony Davis, but I'm definitely listening. You know what I mean? At this point, LeBron has another, I feel like, a year or two to play at the level he's playing at, which has been unbelievable, and you want to maximize that. So if they feel Anthony Davis can be healthy enough to do that, I think obviously they keep him. But again, his track record shows, unfortunately, that he is an injury-prone player. So what do you want? And, you know, you, you got to understand what is the move. You know, are we going to just ride this out and AD is going to be our, our, our star once LeBron moves on? Or do you try to move AD to get pieces that can help you win now? All right, Matt. So let's move on to a team that's not the Los Angeles Lakers. And the Brooklyn Nets, all eyes are going to be on them in terms of uh, these play-in games. They're going to be trying to get past the Cleveland Cavs and then probably find themselves possibly in a matchup there with the Celtics. Do they need Ben Simmons, though, in order to actually compete for a championship? I mean, they're still toying with us. Maybe we'll see him. Maybe we won't. But do they need him? Uh, I think at some point they will need him. Um, obviously anything can happen in a playing situation, but I'm going to, you know, if I was a betting man, I'm going to bet on Kyrie and KD um, and, and, and what they've been able to do this year, averaging 57 points combined. I think they're going to have to push that up if they can to nearly 65 combined during the playoffs. And then hopefully their role players will step up. But I do think Ben Simmons will be a crucial piece from a ball movement standpoint, uh, the way he's able to facilitate an offense and then his ability to guard, you know, uh, defense is, 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 is sort of a, a weak suit on this team. Although when Katie and Kyrie play together, their numbers are at number seven in the league. But I feel like the, 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 the things that Ben Simmons can bring to this team as far as length, defense ability and ball movement obviously would help this team in any quest they have to get a championship. Matt, last one for me. Joel Embiid uh, secured the scoring title uh, at the end of the regular season yesterday, averaging 30.6 points a game. But currently, Nikola Jokic is the odds-on favorite, according to Vegas, to win the MVP. Giannis Antetokounmpo is third on the odds for MVP. Who's your MVP for this season? I would give it to first-time you know, scoring champ Joel Embiid. And it would be the first time that a big man's won a scoring champ since Shaq. And I think Shaq won MVP that season as well. But really, it's a flip of a coin. You know, these are two great big men in a, in, in a small ball era that's dominated by three-point shooting. And they show that a, a traditional big man, although you got to be a big man with a bag, <laughs> can still succeed in this league. You know, these guys are very versatile offensive players and, and, and definitely do their job on the defensive end. Um, but really, I honestly feel like it's going to be a coin flip. I think Embiid has done everything he can possibly do to show that he deserves MVP. Jokic has done the same thing. So, uh, you know, when it comes down to votes, we're just going to have to see because both these guys had incredible seasons for their team. But if I was someone who had the final vote, I would give it to Joel Embiid. Maybe the closest MVP race that we've ever had in the NBA. Matt Barnes, ESPN NBA analyst. Thanks so much for joining us, Matt. Thank you guys for having me. Coming up next, Chris and I will discuss who we like to win in the NBA this year because we are upon the playoffs and the play-in. We'll give you our predictions as we get set for the NBA play-in games, which, of course, start tomorrow night. This is ESPN Radio, Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. ESPN Radio. Wilson and Chris Canty here on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. You can always tweet to us at Chris Canty 99 at Amber W790 at ESPN Radio. So the NBA playoffs are upon us. Or more specifically, the play-in tournament is upon us. And then the NBA playoffs are upon us. But whatever. It all 
feels like it starts tomorrow night. So tomorrow, the NBA play-in schedule, when it kicks off, you will get it 7 p.m., the Cavs at the Nets. The Nets are an eight-point favorite in that game, which is significant, Chris Canty. Also on Tuesday, the late game, you'll get the Clippers at the Timberwolves. The T-Wolves are a two-and-a-half-point favorite in that matchup. And then on Wednesday, you'll get the Hornets at the Hawks. The Hawks are a four-and-a-half-point favorite. And you'll get the Spurs at the Pels. The Pelicans are a five-point favorite. So let's talk play-in tournament first. Is there any juice here to you beyond the Brooklyn Nets? We know the Nets are going to steal all the headlines, so everybody's going to be tuned in to that Cavs-Nets matchup. Is there any juice to you beyond just the Nets? Yeah, I think the Atlanta Hawks are an interesting team to watch just because this is a team that we saw Trey Young put on his back last year and take him to the Eastern Conference Finals, so you can never be – dismissive of them completely and then you also look at the Los Angeles Clippers who haven't had their two biggest stars for the majority of the season with Paul George coming back to go along with Reggie Jackson and the rest of their squad there's no telling what that team would be capable of and and Ty Lue is somebody that should be in the conversation for coach of the year so I think those are the two other teams in the playing games that I would keep an eye on those are the two other teams that I could potentially see pulling off a first-round upset. Um, but I, I would say this. It's really about the Nets and them being locked into that seven seed and teeing up one of the best matchups that we're going to have in the first round between them and the Boston Celtics, who are the current two seed in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, to your point, I mean, that Clippers-Timberwolves matchup, I, I mean, those are those are nice teams. The Clips did end the season with five wins in a row, but without Kawhi Leonard, I just can't get particularly interested in that team, frankly, in terms of them making any sort of real run, even yeah. with Paul George back. I, it's hard for me to look at any of these teams, and Trey Young is phenomenal. I love watching him, so I'll definitely be watching, of course, that Hornets-Hawks team, but in terms of actually looking at any of these teams in the play-in and thinking, okay, they actually have a shot shot here to make a run in the playoffs. The only team that jumps out to me is the team that jumps out to everybody. And that is, of course, the Brooklyn Nets. And certainly uh, odds makers are giving them that sort of deference as well because, you know, you get three points just from basically playing at home. So that's where a lot of these odds are. The, the Nets are getting an eight-point uh, leeway here in terms of their betting odds favorites. And so that's very significant where the odds makers feel significantly like Brooklyn is a much better team than the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's weird that we're talking about a team in a play-in scenario that gets that kind of respect from the odds makers, but that's what happens when you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in a seventh-seeded situation. Yeah, and I mean, the Cleveland Cavaliers don't have anybody outside of Kevin Love that has any championship experience on that roster. I guess if you want to throw in Rajon Rondo, but uh, it's a situation where I, I don't, I don't necessarily see. Cleveland putting up much resistance against Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving the way that those two guys are playing um, in a one-game playoff. That's the other thing about this, Amber. How many how many win-and-end situations or um, games where you would say you have to win in order to advance? Like they're, The guys in Cleveland haven't been in a lot of those situations, and KD and Kyrie have found themselves in those situations throughout the course of their career. Um, obviously being able to have multiple titles between the two of them. So I, I just – I look at it as the Brooklyn Nets, this being a formality with them being able to win tomorrow night's game at home. If they lose tomorrow night's game in Barclays Arena, 
to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Could you imagine the kind of pressure that would be on them going in in a matchup against the winner of the 9-10 game later on this week? I I couldn't imagine it. So, I mean, this is one of those things. If you're Steve Nash, you want to go ahead and put this game behind you so you can focus on the task at hand, which would be going on a title run, and first up would be the Boston Celtics. Yeah, well, we're all going to look ahead and look past this Cavs team right away, and that's not necessarily fair to the Cavs because they have had a really, really, really good bounce-back season here, and I think they've exceeded everybody's expectations, and that is a fun young team, and they should be set for success here and and probably have a rookie of the year there on their roster. But when you're talking about Kevin Durant and you're talking about Kyrie Irving and you're talking about not just a playoff uh, experience but championship experience, then obviously you feel like the Nets are going to move forward from this situation and end up in that matchup, which is, I think, the matchup that everybody wants to see with Mm -hmm. them against the Celtics. It's also the matchup as a Heat fan I want to see because I have no interest in them matching up (laughs) against the Heat immediately. So I'm going to go ahead and need the Nets to get through that Cavs team. So, Amber, real quick, let's put a put in there. I wanted to ask you this question. Okay, so assuming that the Brooklyn Nets do take care of their business on Tuesday night and beat the Cleveland Cavaliers, out of Cleveland, Atlanta, and Charlotte, who's the team that you want your Miami Heat to play? Oh, I don't care. I mean, that is a toss-up to me. I don't care. I mean, from okay. a basketball fan perspective, I think Trey Young is so fun. that That's, oh, yeah, no that's the more exciting matchup to me from a basketball perspective. But when you're talking about those three, like, I don't I don't care, uh, frankly, beyond the Brooklyn Nets. And, and listen, the attitude that everybody has, of course, is you have to get through them to win a championship. When you're the one seed, you are thinking championship, which is what the Miami Heat are thinking, even if apparently nobody else in the country is because everybody's nobody sleeping else on the Heat outside nobody. of Miami. But that is, of course, what they are. <laughs> Are thinking and so they're thinking we have to get through the nets anyways and that's the right attitude but man you don't want to have to do if you don't have to do it you don't want to have to see KD in the first round like who the who the heck wants to see that so I don't think beyond the nets it matters it's just interesting when you have that kind of star power in the plan but let's talk about the east because you said nobody thinks that the heat can come out of the east even though we're only a couple years removed from them doing just that and they have been sitting atop the east basically the entire season long who do you then have coming out of the east I got the Milwaukee Bucks but basketball reference this agrees with me Amber and they're showing your Miami Heat a lot of love because they're giving them a 20% chance to win the conference now the team that has the best chance to win the East according to basketball reference their projections based on 10,000 simulations of the remainder of the year in the postseason they're giving the Boston Celtics a 47 and a half percent chance of winning the Eastern Conference and a 27% chance to win the NBA Finals. It makes no sense to me. What are we doing? What are it we doing? It makes zero sense to me. I, I don't understand it. It must be all math. I don't get it. I was never any good in math class. Yeah, I don't do math. But that's what the projections are saying. So your Miami Heat have the second best chance, according to basketball reference, to win the East. The Milwaukee Bucks have the third best chance at 10% to win the East. I did- but the Boston Celtics... 47.5% chance wow. to win the conference. I did not become a sports radio host or a lawyer to do math. Uh, so I, I will leave the numbers <laughs> to somebody else. But I guess maybe that is the explanation. I have a hard time believing it. Listen, the Celtics have had a phenomenal second half of the season, and Jason Tatum's having the best season of his career, and that's saying a lot because he was already a phenomenal player. But I can't sleep on the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, if I'm truly, genuinely being objective here, which is hard for me to do because I'm diehard with the heat through and through, but the if I had to place my money on a team, it would be the Milwaukee Bucks to come out of the East. 
least. The defending champs, I think, deserve that kind of respect. Uh, they have been quietly dominating this season. They have an MVP caliber player, maybe actually could be the MVP in Giannis. And I, I just think how they're constructed. They're constructed to win championships, just like we saw them do last season. So I would pick the Milwaukee Bucks to come out of the East. Let's talk about the Western Conference, a more lopsided conference in terms of it being top-heavy. Who do you have coming out of the West? I've got the Golden State Warriors, and that's because they can shoot the lights out of the gym as soon as they step foot in the parking lot. And what Clay Thompson showed me this weekend, going 7-14 from three-point land on the way to a 41-point performance, coupled that with Jordan Poole, Draymond Green, and a healthy, a healthy Steph Curry. They're going to be a problem for anybody in the Western Conference, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Phoenix Suns included. And I think experience is going to be a key factor with them. They've, they've got the depth in terms of the players to be able to get it done in the rotation, but then they also have the confidence because this is a team that's been there and done that under Steve Kerr. And so for a team that plays defense as good as Golden State's does, and they're number one in defensive efficiency this season – I have a hard time seeing Golden State not being able to go on a deep playoff run. So they would be my pick to make it to the NBA Finals out of the West. Really? I, I feel like it's it's 2017 up in here yeah. uh, with this conversation yeah. with Chris Canty. Uh, <laughs> I, I just can't, I can't give the Warriors that kind of respect when the Suns are sitting there at 64 and 18 on the season. Like that team has only lost 18 games. That is an un believable record they have been incredible through and through even when cp3 was not out there to help them out devin booker is amazing i will definitely rock with the suns and everything they've accomplished this regular season i do think that this time it is going to translate in the postseason they are finally going to take the west also i think that warriors team has uh, major problems in terms of of health and i think that it's a question mark we don't even know if we're going to see steph curry in the first round all right coming up Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred made a peace offering with the players during the lockout, but what he offered might surprise you. That's next. This is ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Chris Canty. ESPN Radio. The Philadelphia 76ers are going to play the Toronto Raptors in the first round of the playoffs. And Matisse Thibel will be unavailable, Chris, for games three and four and game six if it is necessary because he is not fully vaccinated. And unvaccinated foreign nationals are currently prohibited from entering Canada. Thibel spoke on his vaccination status and explained why he is not vaccinated. I'm not fully vaccinated. Um, yeah, this was a decision I made a long time ago. I thought a lot about what I'd say here. Essentially, I made this choice and I thought I'd keep it to myself, I could keep it private, but people are always going to wonder why. So I was raised in a holistic household where anti-vax is not like a term that was ever used. It's a weird term that has kind of been thrown around to just label people, but we grew up with like Chinese medicine and naturopathic doctors and just with that upbringing coming into this situation I felt like I had a solid foundation of medical resources that could serve me beyond what this vaccine could do for me. So they will be without him. And obviously he was free to make whatever decision he wanted to in terms of that. And he made the decision uh, that he made. And so this certainly still has the ramifications in 
in uh, Canada. And frankly, Chris, I think we would have run into this no matter what team ended up matching up, right? I mean, there are some teams that are fully vaccinated. Like, I know the Miami Heat have come out and said they're all fully vaccinated. There are some teams that are. But a lot of teams have some player that's vaccination status wasn't necessarily known until all of a sudden that player has to play in Toronto. Yeah, and here's the thing, Amber. I'm all for players being able to make their own choice. I I get it. What I don't want to hear is the explanation. I don't need you going into your life story. You're just saying it's a personal decision. I'm not fully vaccinated, and because of that, I'm not going to be available to play in potentially three of the most important games of my team season. That's the reality of it. I don't need the world's smallest violin playing in the background or you giving us your life story and how that led to you not being fully vaccinated. I just don't want to hear it. To me, it's hard to reconcile not being fully vaccinated and doing everything you possibly can in order for your team to compete at the highest level. And that's where the Philadelphia Sixers find themselves going up against a dangerous opponent in the Toronto Raptors because you got to think this would have been a series where Matisse Thibel would have been matched up against Siakam, maybe spending some time on Fred Van Vliet. Like these are all players that the Philadelphia Sixers could have used Thibel's defensive prowess against. And now that's not going to be an option for Doc Rivers. And you're also talking about a team in the Eastern Conference that has a relatively short bench. And now you're shortening up that rotation by taking out a key role player on your team. This could actually have an impact here. I mean, this could end up mattering for the 76ers, even though he's not one of the big two. ESPN Radio. You are listening to ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on ESPN Plus. Amber Wilson, Chris Canty, we are taking you down the stretch. We have had a lot of help on today's show. It has been an action-packed show. A lot of Los Angeles Lakers talk. Chris Canty's favorite subject is the Lakers. He's a diehard Lakers fan. They've just been so phenomenally good to him this season. He I can't get enough team. Lakers talk. I hate my team, Amber. I love my team, but I hate my team. Does that make sense? <laughs> well, we have done plenty of talking about your team, okay. and I have a feeling it ain't ending anytime soon. Like this team isn't in the postseason, and yet is going to dominate probably the headlines in the postseason and in the off season. So we had a lot of help. And in those conversations, George Sedano, ESPN NBA analyst, and also ESPN LA radio host, Ian O'Connor. He joined us as well. He is a New York sports columnist. He talked to us about everything Tiger Woods and the masters, a phenomenal weekend for golf as it always is for the Masters. Mina Kime helped us out with the NFL talk. Yes, Fraudulent NFL. Brooklyn Nets fan, by the a way. NFL Fraudulent. analyst, but we did find out that Mina Kimes is a bandwagon Brooklyn Nets fan and has actually become a legitimate Nets fan because she jumped on the bandwagon just to annoy people, and now she has embraced them. And you know what, Mina, do you, okay? You, you do you. Don't you let people tell you how to be a fan. You Nets fan if you weren't rooting for the team when they were in New Jersey. Why She's not? A bandwagon they fan. want no. more fans, first of all. Well, that Nets no. team needs more fans. Let's be real. Like Barclays yeah. needs to be sold out. What's the problem with bringing in some people who weren't there from day one? We make too nah, much out of this whole day like one. You like need it. to go. And, and we act like as a sports fan, you have to go through the hardships. Why do you have to go through the hardship? Maybe just jump on the team that's winning. You know? says, says the Miami Dolphins fan. Hey, well, yeah, well, that's true. Well, and what's funny is I didn't grow up a Dolphins fan. I actually grew up in the Tampa Bay area, and I, I don't I, – 
listen, there was no, so there was no easy Bucks choice you there. You mean to tell me you were a Bucks fan? I wasn't too? really a Bucks fan. I wasn't really like an NBA fan or an NFL fan when I was a kid. I was like just diehard college fan, Gators football through and through. And I just kind of watched the NFL, like went to some Bucks games, but I wasn't ever diehard. And then later in life became a Dolphins fan. And that didn't work out well for me because I probably should have just <laughs> stuck with my hometown team. Uh, anyways, maybe we'll get Tom Brady one day and it'll all be good uh, down in uh, down in Miami. I mean, not in Tampa. That's a whole different thing. We didn't even get to that conversation today, but there's plenty conversation for us still to get to. We're going to get to that now. It's time to go three and out. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is... Three and out. So things weren't going well there for Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, and the baseball players and the MLBPA because, of course, they were involved in a lockout for, what was it, 90 days, whatever it was. They finally worked it out. We finally have baseball again. And so the commissioner wanted to make good, and he sent... Every player in Major League Baseball, Bose headphones and a letter signed by Manfred that were left in the locker of each player when teams began their season on Thursday and Friday. You, of course, are a former player in a different sport, but a former player nonetheless. What do you make of this peace offering from the commissioner? Uh, it's not really much of a gesture because you're probably talking about Major League Baseball having a relationship with Bose and the headphones being free of charge as far as Rob Manfred and the league office are concerned. So how much of a goodwill gesture is it if you're just giving me merchandise to advertise for somebody that has a business relationship for you? Check that. Somebody that's paying to have a business relationship with the league. I don't necessarily put a whole lot of stock in that. I guess Rob Manford not being as adversarial toward the players and Tony Clark is a win, but this doesn't move the needle for me if I'm a player. So, I mean, I'm, I'm cool with the headphones. I could have used more money allocated to players that are, you know, pre-arbitration eligible, but that's just me. Uh, well, that that's crazy talk. You knew he wasn't going to give them that. Uh, but, <laughs> hey, I mean, I guess free headphones uh, is the next best thing, apparently. Um, an iron set that Tiger Woods used to win four majors sold for a record $5 million. Chris mm. Canty, is any is there any Chris Canty memorabilia that could sell for close to $5 million? Probably not. The best I got is my Super Bowl ring from the 2011 Giants, Amber, but I wouldn't part ways with that. There's not enough money in the world. But, uh, yeah, buying a not set of – Not enough money I, in the world. I mean, no. not really. Like, Elon Musk no. gives you a call, and he's like, I'll give you everything. Yeah, I feel like you could go buy other Super Bowls. Well, you I mean, could buy I'm, the I'm, Giants. Are we talking about cash and, and options? Then buy them are we talking Bowl. about cash and options, options from <laughs> Tesla? Because if that is the conversation, then, then Elon Musk holla at your boy. But uh, I'm just saying, like Tiger Woods iron selling for $5 million bucks, that's a lot of cheese for some golf clubs. Well, I don't have a Super Bowl ring, so I know nobody is probably buying this microphone I'm speaking into for $5 million bucks. But shout out if you want to. Up next, Spain and Fitz.